0: is out of Titus, chapter 2. Now, Titus, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but this is one of the pastoral epistles. I'm sorry, pastoral epistles. And in the midst of writing this letter to Titus, Paul mentions something that has been a, a message down through the ages and is still a message. Three little words, the blessed hope, the blessed hope, there has never been nor ever will be anyone, anything that can provide this hope other than the person of Jesus Christ. That's what I was alluding to a while ago when I said we'll get to that. As I was reading and studying and thinking and praying over this message, you know, I began to think about uh, the times in my life uh, that have looked bleak. I began to think about the times in my life where it seemed like hope was gone. And you always try to find that hope somewhere. You always try to To find your way out of the darkness. You always try to find your way to the light. And you you seek after the things that will make you happy. The things that will make you grow. The things that bring that peace to your heart. Mankind has been seeking that for so long. But there is only one place that it can be found. One place that it is. There is only one place where that blessed hope is found. That is in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know the drill. You know what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. You know the definition of the gospel. That you believe that what Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. Church, I'm afraid today that most of our people... Not these people out here on the golf courses and on the lakes. Not these people out here uh, going about their own business. But I'm afraid today that most of the people that are populating the pews in our churches in this land today just don't believe that Jesus Christ conquered the grave. How can you say that, preacher? How can you say that most people don't believe that? Because it is evident in their lives. Well, you're judging. Yes, I am. You shall know a tree by the fruit it bears. And if there is no hope of the resurrection, it will show in our life. It will be evident in our life. That gloom and despair that we talked about a while ago is hard to conquer. When there is no hope, but in Jesus Christ, Paul mentions this blessed hope. Let's turn to the second chapter of Titus. Begin reading in verse 11. Paul says this in his letter to Titus. And remember, we are picking up in the middle of this letter, so we don't have time to cover all of it. I wish we did, but we're picking up in the middle. And after Paul has exhorted uh, Titus, this is what he gets to in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purified to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now let us understand in these three chapters that Paul is writing to Titus over here. He is exhorting his young contemporary Titus, the preacher, the pastor over there, uh, to teach the believers in Crete. To what? Live godly and exemplary lives. You are to live these kind of lives. In the first two chapters, Paul uses a word that scares a lot of Christians to death. The word doctrine. He uses it no less than four different times in his writing over here. And he says... Over in chapter 3, he even goes further than that. Not just mentioning doctrine, but the fact that those that have believed, meaning the Christian, the believer in Jesus Christ, should be living a life of good works. Well, that's what saves us then. No, 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 no. That's not what saved us. No. It is Christ and Christ alone that has redeemed this wretched soul. It is the blood of Jesus Christ alone uh, that has given me uh, the hope, the blessed hope of eternal life. But you see, when that blessed hope is uh, realized, when I have that in my heart, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell the news. I'm going to tell the news. See, I think... See, Brother Chris sitting back there, and I think about that. When they roll up on the scene there uh, in a fire truck, there's a fire there. They don't just roll up and and, and get out of the truck and just look and say, well, I guess this place is going to burn down. No, they don't do it. They better not anyway. Uh, No, they get out and go to work. Number one, is there anybody in there? Is there anybody that needs to be rescued? And you see, this is what Paul is telling to Titus. You have, son, that blessed hope. You know the answers. You know what this world needs. Don't hide it under a bushel, don't put it out. You let people know. You give them this answer that they need because there is only one answer. There is no hope in the things of this world. You see, we, unfortunately, have become very adept in this country at pointing our children to find hope in all kinds of different things. Study hard. Make good grades. Go to a good school. Get a good job. Do good things in this life. Make a name for yourself. And these are all honorable things, not preaching against those. They are honorable, but they are not the blessed hope. There are things that give us hope, but they are not the blessed hope. What is so special about the blessed hope? What is so different about the blessed hope? So different... That In this life, we can tell our children, you know, if you do good things, if you achieve these things, people will recognize you. You'll gain these things in life. What separates this hope from the blessed hope? Because all these things that you can achieve in this life, all these things that you can gain, I don't care how many numbers are in the bank account. I don't care how many garage doors are in the garage bay. I don't care how many square feet are in the house. I don't care where the house is at. I don't care how many gates the house is behind. I don't care how many titles is behind the last name. I don't care how many big names are on the friends list. All of that is worthless when this life is over. Worthless. There is only one blessed hope. The hope that this life gives is worthless when it really counts. Now see, you think about that. When it really counts. Did you know that they've done medical studies? And they found out that 100 out of 100 die. Death is coming to us all. It is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. But Paul says to Titus, and he says to us, that's not the end. That's not the end. Oh, there's hope beyond the grave. That's why today, It's such a blessed day. Look what Paul says. Let's examine this closely. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11. The first verse he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now here Paul gives us a very direct and very important principle. There are many in this life, well what does man do that's never heard the gospel? What do these people do who've never heard about Jesus Christ? Uh, Paul reveals to Titus and also to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit no less. Not from Paul's own wisdom, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There is no one, no one that will stand before God innocent and say, I didn't know. The grace of God. You see, grace that is to us beyond our comprehension. We understand human grace. We understand, oh, okay, I'll let you get by with that. I won't really push that. But the grace of God, no, we don't even know. But this grace that God has, what? Brings salvation. That grace that brings salvation. In other words, the redemption of the soul. That grace that brings that salvation has what? appeared to all mankind. How has that happened, Joey? I'm not getting into that. I'm not going to touch that one. Because simply, I don't know. I don't know. That's one of God's mysteries. It's not mine. It's not given to us. Holy Spirit didn't tell us that. But what He did tell us is that everyone that has ever been conceived, will have that salvation brought to them and appear before them. Paul says to Titus, Okay, son, this grace that brings salvation, it has appeared to all men. And notice what he says next. Teaching us this this grace that has appeared That brings salvation. This grace of God has appeared. And now what does he say? It's teaching us. That what? Denying ungodliness. And worldly lust. We should live soberly. Righteously. And godly. In this present world. This is. A declaration. To the body of Christ. To the church. You see the more we look. And the more we study in scripture. The more we begin to realize. And the more we begin to understand. This is written to the believer. The Bible is not a book written to save the lost. So to speak. It's not a evangelistic book. That was written so that the lost might be saved. It is a book for the edification. The growth of the saints of the living God. The church, the body. That's how the lost hears about the gospel is through what we do, what we say. You can't give a lost person a Bible and say, here, read this and you'll figure it out. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not the way that works. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is the one who teaches us, who leads us. And you must be led by the Holy Spirit when you read this word. And so Paul says to Titus, this grace that has appeared, that brings salvation, is going to teach us that what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live what? Soberly, righteously, and godly in heaven? No. In this present world. Woo. Oh, oh. oh, me. Oh, my. Yes. Preacher, what you talking about? We can't have fun in this life. We're supposed to go through this life denying ourselves the pleasure of this world. My friends are doing this and doing that, participating in this, participating in that, going to these places, going to those places, and I'm not supposed to do any of that. Paul says to Titus, and the, the Scripture plainly teaches us because this word is used numerous times throughout the New Testament, we should live soberly. The world teaches what? Live how you want to. Live your own life. You've only got one. You better live it like you want to. Look out for number one because nobody else is going to be looking after you. Let yourself go. Live a little. Paul says, No, we are to live soberly. We are to have our mind, our wits about us, spiritually speaking. We are to be the people that the world looks at and say, what's going on with them? Like Peter says later, we are called to be a peculiar people, a set-apart people, an example unto the world. And you see, this is where Satan has truly tricked the church. He's really got his hooks in us in that he has convinced us. He has given us this great, great lie that if we don't grab a hold of it in this life that we've somehow missed out on everything. That is a lie from Satan. This life is nothing. This life is simply a preparation for life to come. And you see, that's what Satan has sold us on. That if we don't live a life to its fullest in this life, we've somehow missed out on something. But Paul says, no, Titus. You're to teach these people to live soberly, to live righteously, and to live godly in this present world. Why? Why? Everybody else is having fun. Why can't we? verse 13 now the grace of God that brings salvation that's appeared to all men is coming to us teaching us these things to be sober in this life and then he says this in verse 13 looking for that blessed hope that blessed hope and what The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And here is where we get to the crux of the matter. Here is where the rubber meets the road, child of God. Are you today looking and longing for the appearing, the glorious appearing of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or are your eyes cast upon this world? Are you looking for his appearing? Do you long for his appearing? Or is your eyes looking and longing after the things of this life? And you see, this is what Paul was telling to Timothy. This is what he tells uh, Titus. This is what uh, Peter writes about. Do you really believe it? Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Do you believe he's going to return? Paul says to Titus, now you see, when you go back and and you read through Titus, you know, when it starts out, it's it's like one of those, those boring books. Titus, you know, uh, teach the people to do this. Teach the people to do that. You need to uh, make sure, you know, uh, wives do this and husbands do that. And you're like, okay, okay. But right in the middle, right in the middle of all that mundane, everyday stuff, Paul says to Titus, look, son, you've got to teach these people. You've got to show them. You've got to be an example before them of what this blessed hope. Because the world is is trying everything. Uh, Check that. Satan is trying everything to choke the blessed hope out of the church. The church. The believers in Jesus Christ. You see, this goes back to all these uh, messages before about the apostasy in the last days. I know you've gotten a little weary of that, but I'm going to get a little plug in for that too. Okay? Because this is exactly what we've been talking about. Too many of our people in our churches are sitting here today who have no clue what Satan is doing to us, how he has tricked us, how he has got us to be at ease in this world. Oh, it's okay. Everybody does that. Uh, This is 2017. We've got to come up to the time. No, we do not. No, we don't have to live like that. We are called to live a sober, a righteous, and a godly life. Why? Because what? The blessed hope that has been given us. Through what? Through that day 2,000 years ago. After they had nailed the Messiah to the cross. After they had watched Him die after they had taken his body down, laid it in a tomb, rolled a stone over there, sent the Roman guards over put the seal of Rome on there, sealed it up, do not open upon pains of death, and said, nobody's getting in here. But what? Three days later, three days later, the power of Rome couldn't stop it. The power of Israel. The Jewish leaders couldn't stop him. The power of all the Roman guards. Of all those with swords. Couldn't stop him. But get this. The power of Satan. The power of hell. Could not stop him. On the third day. Because that sacrifice, that blood that was shed. And you see, this is where the world gets, oh, you know, don't leave that out of your churches. No, that blood that was shed. You see, when folks tell you, well, I need to do this or I need to do that, get saved. No, what they're saying is that blood was not sufficient. No, that blood's the only thing that will get us into heaven. That blood's the only thing that will save our wretched soul. And that blood that was shed there on the cross And he gave it every bit. He gave every bit of that blood. And his life was gone. And they took that body and laid it in the tomb. But you see, just with any of us, uh, when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. And you see, when Jesus Christ left that cross there on Calvary, when life left his body, he went to work he went to work number one he went through the temple and ripped a veil in half because guess what no more would it be required that man would have to come before an altar to bring a sacrifice because the only sacrifice that would ever be needed had just been made and he went down to the depths of the grave and all those saints of old that had been waiting that had hoped Isaiah, Ezekiel Abraham all those saints that had looked for and longed for the coming and the appearing uh, saw him break through over there. And he took care of those. Come on, boys. Uh, come on, ladies. Uh, we're getting out of here. And he took them. And you see, uh, before he stopped back by, he stopped by the Father and he presented that sacrifice that had been made on the cross of Calvary. That blessed hope depended upon that sacrifice. Was that sacrifice acceptable? (laughs) Was it acceptable? Well, let me tell you this. John, over in Revelation, looked and saw that there was a book that had to be opened. It was sealed. And they looked all over heaven and earth. They looked above earth. They looked under the earth, under the sea. It's what they couldn't find. Anybody worthy to open the book. And John says, I begin to sob. I begin to cry. The, the, the Greek there uh, means sob convulsively. He was weeping and sobbing because no one was found worthy to open the book. is worthy. The line of the tribe of Judah behold John. And you see that's the last thing that Jesus did. Stop by the Father. Present that sacrifice of his blood. Was that sacrifice sufficient to cover the sins of every human being that had ever been conceived. Since the time of Adam. When we were cast into this sinful life. When the curse of sin was brought upon us. Was that blood sufficient? Was that blood able to cover every single sin? Regardless of what we can do. It was that blood and that blood alone. Father. Father. This is it. (laughs) Guess what? The father said, oh yeah. The lamb as it had been slain from the foundation of the world. They knew what needed to be done. They knew what had to be done. And the son fulfilled what was required of him. A sinless, perfect, human Life that was lived. And according to that now, the law, the law that says what? The soul that sinneth, he shall die. Guess what? Jesus Christ did not sin. And by the law, the word of the living God, by the law, death has no hold on him. They took his life. They took it from him. Well, he gave it. <laughs> they didn't take it. They thought they took it. They thought they took it. They thought they had defeated him. Guess what? Uh, let's check the. What does the law say? Uh, the law says the soul that sinneth it shall not die. Hell, give me the keys. They're not yours anymore. Grave. On, guys. You don't belong here anymore. Father, here's the sacrifice. Son, it is accepted. Death has no dominion over you. Go back and get that body. On the third day, the blessed hope, the blessed hope. All these tears and pain in our life that Satan tries to drive a wedge in between us and our God shall one day disappear. Disappear. Can you imagine a life of no pain, of no sadness, of no heartache. Can you imagine that? It's real, church. It is real. And it was made possible by none other than Jesus Christ himself. Paul says to Titus, that blessed hope, son, you tell people about. That blessed hope. That blessed hope is given to us. Luke writes about it in Acts twenty four fifteen. He said, And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. You see this word here, that they themselves also allow, that's the same Greek word that Paul used that says looking for. Looking. Longing. Expectation. A certainty of knowing. Luke writes about that. Jude writes about it. The brother of our Lord. In his gospel. Uh, Jude 1 verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking. 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 For the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto what? Eternal life. Eternal life. These things are taught to us as the church. Paul finishes up his letter or his admonition to Titus. In verse 14 he says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from what? Some iniquity? No. From most of our iniquity? No. From all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. That's us church. That's us. A peculiar people zealous of good works. It's okay that you think I'm crazy. It's okay that you call me peculiar. I'm supposed to be that way. We're all supposed to be that way. Our families are supposed to think we're crazy. Our families are supposed to think we're out there. We are a peculiar people. We are zealous unto good works. Because why? Because of that blessed hope. Paul says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. You see, our Western culture and our Western society, we've got a little bit soft, I'll say. Well, Joy, you shouldn't say that. Well, That's what I mean. Yes, you should. If you... If you are a believer in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you say, you proclaim, I am a believer in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. Listen, you and I are accountable to one another. When you go out here and act a fool, you don't just uh, give yourself a bad name. Guess what? You give me one too. When you go out here and act a fool, guess what? You don't just sully your own bad name, you solely the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and thereby the whole church suffers. See, that's where our church is at today. That's where our church is at. In this country. People don't want to don't want to. Uh, hurt folks' feelings. People don't, oh, it's all right. Everybody's got their own idea of right and wrong. Uh, Yes, they do, but it, it still don't make it right. There is only one right. That is the right of the Word of the living God. If someone is offended by that, then guess what? That means that they're on the wrong side. Is it right because I say it's right? Oh, Lord, no. Lord, no. It is right because it's the Word of God. Paul says to Titus, speak these things. Exhort these things. Rebuke with all authority. You see, our brothers and our sisters and the same thing with me. I tell our, I tell the church all the time. You know, I say this: be a Berean. Acts seventeen eleven. You, no matter what I say, no matter what anybody says, I don't care how many shows they got on TV or how many books they've got. I don't care who says what. Whatever it is, you search the scriptures and you make sure that what they're saying is in here. Because if it's not in here, guess what? Ain't nothing but the ideas of a man. Nothing but the ideas of a man. Brother Mayo, come with a verse of a song. Listen, church. This is our invitation. Paul exhorts Titus. Teach these things. Speak these things. Looking for that blessed hope. This is the closing thought we would leave today. Jesus says it best. Matthew chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. He said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And this is the question for all of the world today. This is the question that confronts each and every one that lives on this earth. For what is a man profited? if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, there it is. There it is. That's why the church is in the condition that it is in our Western society today. That's why the church is no longer... As effective as it used to be, because people no longer believe this. They're living for today. Let's have this program. Let's do that program. Let's make sure the the church is relevant in today's society. Let's make the church. Like, let's make sure the church it attracts people into it. No, we're not called to attract people in. We're called to go out. We teach and exhort the word in our churches. We don't put on a show to draw a crowd. That's what we're called to do. Jesus says it. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? Every single one of us has to make that choice. Every single one of us. That soul that reaches the age of accountability that realizes right from wrong, that knows what sin is, must make that choice. Is these pleasures that the world is offering me, in other words, what Satan has lied about and said will bring me peace and will bring me joy, are these things worth more than my eternal soul, my eternal condition? It should seem like a pretty obvious answer. It should seem like a no-brainer. But you see, Satan is not this little dude in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork that you see on TV. That's Hollywood. That's, That's all that Hollywood junk. Satan is an angel of light that could deceive even the very elect if Jesus hadn't shortened our days. That's who he is. This is the choice that we make. And listen, thanks be unto God, our Lord and Savior, that this blessed hope this blessed hope. You know, I don't. I don't. You don't have to bring me a check and say, "Okay, I'll give you this blessed hope for a certain price." I'll give you this blessed hope, but, but you know, I have to check your pedigree first, see what your last name is, uh, who, where you came from, what part of town you live in. No, 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 no. This blessed hope. For all for whosoever will believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that one day those skies are going to split? The angel's going to peel them back? He's going to blow the trumpet? And with a shout, he's going to cry out. And the dead in Christ are going to Kicked up out of the ground, that glorified body is going to bust out of the ground, and then we, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up, caught up. That Greek word means snatched away forcibly. That's crazy, preacher. Who really believes that? who really, really believes (laughs) that? I'm counting the blessed hope. The blessed hope. How can you have the blessed hope? Because of the gospel. Because of the life, death, and burial of one man. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. While we stand, Listen, you know how the Spirit dealing with your heart today. Let's take care of business before this service is over. 488. 488. 488. In church today, love to have you come and go help with us. But listen, if you need to take care of people today, if the Holy Spirit is struggling your soul, listen, all you have to do is what we prescribed a while ago, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Believe that Christ died for your sins, just like the Bible says, according to the Scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures, just like the Bible says. You see, the word is the key. The word is the key. That's why the devil's trying to corrupt that word today. That's why he's trying to uh, come out with all these uh, uh, makeshift translations uh, that corrupt the true word of the living God. Is because he don't want people to know the truth. The truth that all they can do in this life, all the things that they can accomplish, mean absolutely, positively nothing when it comes to their salvation. That at the foot of the cross, it is Christ and Christ alone, all that matters. And you see, that's all you have to do is believe that. When you believe that, it changes your life. It changes your perspective. It changes your direction. You become a different person. You walk a different way. While we sing, one more verse. Just as I am and waiting. Church, I appreciate your good attention this morning. I appreciate each and every one.